we've all known the difficulty of saying goodbye to somebody that we didn't want to say goodbye to, right? Some of you are experiencing that difficulty right now. It's August, and because of that, you're waving goodbye. And when your kid walks out the door, and as they head back to college, not only are they going, but your money's going with them whenever they go out the door, right? I'll never forget 20, uh, 2006. It's when Michael, our oldest, was going off to college. And I'm not normally a person that deals with a lot of negative emotion, but I had this kind of subconscious grief that was taken over my heart. And I began to pray about it because I know that usually when you have an emotion, there's always a thought that's producing that emotion in your heart. And so as I prayed about it, I realized that I was grieving because for 12 years, we'd all lived together in the same house and now one of us wasn't gonna be there anymore. And I wish I had video this morning to show you of us dropping off Michael and then driving in our Suburban to come home. Emily began to speak about what an incredible brother Michael was, and pretty soon it was one after the other, and honestly, folks, it sounded like we were eulogizing Michael in my suburban that day, and every time I drive now from Tulsa down to McAllister, I always think of the fact that the graphs have their own trail of tears that kind of went through that part of Oklahoma because of the difficulty that we were going through whenever we are in that season of life, and in the same way, you know, some of you have difficulties today because of heartbreaks, because of things that have happened to you. But then again, not all uh, circumstances are hard to say goodbye to. The truth is, sometimes we're in circumstances we can't wait to say goodbye to. I saw this on Twitter the other day, and I thought you'd enjoy this, this banner somebody made. They were hosting a dinner party, and it said, please leave by nine o'clock. Now, how many of you know that wouldn't make you feel real warm and fuzzy and side, right? Whenever you came into the party. But listen, we're going to study the next four weeks the life of Paul, and he's going to share with us what needs to happen in our heart if we want God to do something really special in this season of our life. And in Philippians 3.13, he writes this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain towards what's ahead and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Maybe like me, you read that text and you thought, well, Paul, you said this one thing I do, and then you told me two things that I have to do. And, and he did do that, but it's not because there were two things he was talking about. Paul was just talking about one thing, and that is it takes a press in our heart if we're going to reach the next goal that God has for us, and then the next goal that God has for us. And if we're to receive the heavenly prize that God's dreaming about in any single part of our life. And he says the first part of that is you have have to forget those things that are behind because if you don't leave those things behind, you're not going to do the things every single day that it takes to enter into God's best for our life. That's why psychologists say there's two kinds of stress, right? There's the good stress, and the good stress is the things we press in to become better people, living with better habits, to make good things happen in our life. But then there's a bad stress, and that's the stress 
stress we feel when we give in to fear, we give in to bitterness, we give in to worry, and the things that keep us from pressing forward. And before we let Paul teach us how to let our past behind us today, I'm going to tell you a story about another person who was great at pressing and entering into the goals God had for his life. His name's King David. And if you don't know much about King David, maybe you're new to church, let me tell you enough of his story to get to the story from his life that I want to talk about. David was raised in one of the poorest families in all of Israel, but not only was he raised in a poor family, but his own father didn't see much potential in his life. When he was a teenager, God spoke to the prophet Samuel and He said God was going to choose the next king of Israel from David's house. And whenever Samuel told his father that, his dad brought the other seven sons before Samuel. And he said, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And each time the Spirit of God said no. And finally, Samuel looked at at David's father, Jesse, and said, do you have any more sons? And he said, yeah, I have one, but I've got them out there with the sheep. And it was clear that he never thought that David could be king. But David believed so much in God's call in his life that he developed different, praised God different, walked different. In fact, when he was 17, he came on the battlefield and there was this massive giant named Goliath and nobody would fight him even though he was making everybody's life in Israel miserable. And David said, I'll fight him. And that day he took on Goliath and he won. After that, he'd gotten listed into the military, and he literally became a national war hero within the nation of Israel, so much so that they had songs written about him because everybody was so grateful for how he lived. When Saul the king heard about this, he got jealous because he knew that the people wished that David was their king instead of him. And from that day forward, Saul sought to have David killed. First, he knew that his youngest daughter, Michal, was in love with David. So he thought, I know what I'm going to do. I can see these two young people got hit with that arrow from Cupid that makes people go stupid. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell David, you know what? I'd love to have you for a son-in-law, but I know you're a poor person. So I'm going to make the dowry easy for you. Just bring me a hundred foreskins of the Philistines and I'll let you be my son-in-law. And David went, and he brought back 200 foreskins. I know this is gross, but it's in the Bible, so just stick with me, right? But but the reality is there's a great lesson. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but if you want to be a success in life, all you have to do is exceed your father-in-law's wishes for you, and if you do that, you're going to be a great success in life. And David did that, and then his father-in-law never quit. He tried to spear him to death. He sent soldiers out after him to kill him and for nearly two decades David found himself fighting against his own in-laws who were trying to kill him first it was his father-in-law for 13 years his brother-in-law Ishbosheth did it for seven years after that and we come to a story in 2nd Samuel 3 where the Bible says that Abner who was the commander of the military forces of Ishbosheth, is sending David a message and he's basically saying we all know that you're the one who's 
called to be king. So just say the word and I'm going to bring all of Israel over to your side so you can be king. And the Bible says that David first said something you would have expected him to say. He said, well, good. He said, I'll make an agreement with you, Abner. But then it says something so interesting where David added this, but I demand one thing of you, and that is don't come into my presence unless you bring Michal, the daughter of Saul, when you come to see me. Now, it had been about 17 years, and still David has something going on inside of him that, that makes him say, you know what, uh, you know, I fought to be king, but I, I'm going to tell you there's something else that really matters to me, and that is I want you to bring my wife, Mikkel, with you. Now, it would be great if it was because David, you know, loved her so much, he wanted to show her the love they dreamed of in childhood, and he wanted to show her a life where nobody could possibly love you the way that I love you. But when you read the story that we refer to later, it doesn't seem like that was the motivation that David had. It seems like maybe David was like the guy who never kissed his wife and then shot the first man who did. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That he had this vengeance in his heart that he'd never dealt with. And then think of who else was affected by this story. I mean, imagine if you're Mikkel and you fall in love and pretty soon your father messes the whole thing up and then you fall in love again and now you have to to start over in spite of the fact that you feel like you haven't done much wrong as a person. And then there's a third person in the story, and his name is Paul Teal. And the Bible says that David was so... Uh, so determined to make this happen that he not only made this demand of Abner, but he spoke to his brother-in-law, Ishbosheth, and he said, I want you to give me my wife, Michal, whom I betrothed my, to myself for the price of a hundred Philistine foreskins. And the Bible says Ishbosheth gave orders, and he had Michal taken away from her husband, Paul Teal. And her husband, however, went with her, weeping behind her all the way to Bahurim. And then Abner, the commander, said, go back home so of course he couldn't do anything the soldiers would have enforced the will of Abner so he returned home and here's the moral of the story this morning is I don't care how righteous you live I don't care how pure your heart is I don't care how much you do right in your life sin has a way of reigning on every one of our parades can you say amen but here's the good news. When sin reigns on your parade, your life does not have to be defined by what happened to you. Your life can be defined by what God makes happen for you because God promised to work for our good in the midst of all things. Amen? You say, Pastor, how can I see that happen in my life? Four things that Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter four. And the first thing that Paul teaches is this. We have to trust God's promise. He says this in Philippians 3.17. He says, I want you to join in, in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on people who live the way that we do. What's Paul saying with those words? Well, simply this, that blessing is, is most of the time not going to come into our life by chance. It's going to come into our life by choice. So Paul says, here's the best way to live is I want you to notice the people who are living in the blessing of God.
God. And you know, the only way they can be living in the blessing of God the way they are is they've learned certain things and they're living a certain way. And because of that, when they go through seasons in their life, you find somehow they're blessed regardless of the difficult things that they had to walk through to get into those blessings. That's why it's so important that we read our Bibles because the Bible says all the stories were given to us so we'd learn how to walk into the hopes of God. That's why it's so important we have friends who I call Pumbaa people in our life. How many of you saw The Lion King? Could I see your hand this morning? Sure, we all saw it. And I brought one of my favorite pictures from The Lion King. This is Pumbaa and Timon and Simba. And how many of you know they were like the three stooges quite often, right? They were doing stupid things and they were saying stupid things. But at some point they figure it out and Pumbaa looks at Simba and he says, Simba, if you're going to live in the dream that matters the most to your heart, if you're going to see the success that you care deeply about, you're going to have to put your behind in the past. Can you say amen? And what a great phrase that is because all of us here today, there are things that we have to put our behind in the past if we're going to enter into what God has for our life. You say, how do we do that? Well, Paul taught us in Philippians 3.3. He says, for it's we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, and we who boast in Christ Jesus. These are the people that God blesses. So let's understand that verse that first of all, when he talks about circumcision, he's talking about the sign of a believer in the Old Testament, that they would peel away the skin. And that was symbolic of the fact that we're not going to let anything separate us from the relationship that we have with God. We're not going to let condemnation keep God from loving us in this season. We're not going to let fear lie to us and tell us that God doesn't have a plan for our future in this season. We're not going to let bitterness make us believe that the future can't be amazing for us in spite of what happens. We're going to peel everything away that keeps our heart from being totally God's. And then that's only the first step. Then we have to serve God in the Spirit. That means we have to come to church. We have to read our Bibles. We have to make sure that we are in step with what the Spirit of God has for our life. And then Paul says, if we do those things, we're going to have a boast in Christ Jesus. So you notice the first thing is peel it away. Don't let the past come into your future. Don't let things keep you from God. Then the second thing is not only do we have to trust God's promises, Paul says we have to train our wills to obey. And that's not easy all the time, is it? Whenever we go through difficulties, as a matter of fact, I remember when I was, you know, thinking about Michael and leaving for college, I thought, God, it's just natural to be sad, right? And then I realized that when, when I go through times like that, I need to, to let God establish a new natural in my heart. And listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3, 7. He says, but whatever were gains to me, he said, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, consider means that we look at it and we regard it differently after we think about it for a while. 
So let me give you an example. When Michael left the home, I remember thinking, I don't want him to leave. These were 12 great years, and I want these years to continue. But then I started thinking, but I don't want to be supporting him whenever he's 30 years old. I want him to pay his own bills. (laughs) Then I got to thinking, I don't want to, to have Michael stand before Jesus without hearing Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you see how things can shift whenever we begin? to train our will yeah I feel this way but you know what there's another reality and I need to get my will in touch with that reality if I'm going to experience God's best in my life then there's a third thing Paul taught and that is not only trust God's promises not only train our wills to obey God but he said you have to take control of your feelings and this can be a difficult one this is the reason that I started playing golf in my 60s for the first time time because I promise you I know that I have this vision of feeling good on the golf course and I'm going to feel good when I hit the ball straight and I hit the ball far and people say wow pastor that was a great shot but right now when I go out on the golf course I see people looking at me and they say oh my goodness we need to pray for pastor did you see that golf shot and you know you know I love it because it gives me a chance to do things that 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 I know are important you got to put your will on things man you got to look at things and you need to say you know what this is a problem but you know what I've got the greatest problem solver in the world on my side that's why the apostle Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me can you say amen we got to put our will on things and then we got to take control of difficult emotions some of you you're you're made more melancholy you 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 just naturally have you know a, a, a broad array of feelings God made you that way So you can write songs where you identify with our feelings and help us handle our feelings better. Others of you are going through menopause. I have no idea why God designed that experience for people to go through. But I did see a very funny ad that was in a church bulletin. I like to laugh. And so I subscribed to funny things. And in this bulletin, It was a small group for ladies who were all fighting menopause together, all right? And here's what they put in the bulletin. Join us as we have fun on our playground. We have giant mood swings and emotional roller coasters. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. But listen, our feelings can go the other way. Sometimes whenever it's a a, a season we don't want to go through, our feelings will take us to places we can't go. We can't go to fear. We can't go to bitterness. We can't go to to anger. and, and, And for some people even doubt about God because of the emotions you're going through. We can't go there. We have to take control of the emotions of our life. Other times we're in good seasons and we don't want to move on to another season because this season is so good we really don't want it to end. And Paul addressed that in his own life. He talked about what we've spoken about, about not letting things get in our heart and serving God in the spirit and how we'll have a boast in Christ Jesus. But then Paul added one more thing. He said we also can't put confidence in the flesh. And he said I myself would have reason 
reasons for confidence. And he talked about how he was raised to be a, a good believer and he ended up studying and being a model student. And he said, I lived more holy than most people. But he said, one day I realized that was everything I was doing. That wasn't what God was doing in my life. And he said, one day I realized, you know what? Christianity isn't about me. Christianity is about what God is doing on the inside of my heart and in my life. And I remember going through a hard season like that. When I was 20 years old, my dream from the time I was a five-year-old boy was to play college baseball. And I had an opportunity to be at an NCAA Division I program, top 10 rated program in the country. And I thought, God, this is my dream. And then he began to talk to me about my call was to spiritual leadership, not into the realm of athletics. And guys, I had no training whatsoever. I knew I had to quit sports, and I knew I had to start training for this new life that I have. And, and can I tell you, for a whole year, I didn't even attend a baseball game. You say, why didn't you attend? It was too emotional for me to go through those, those difficult things in my life. And for some of you, it's emotional right now for a lot of reasons, but I want to encourage you I don't care how good you live. I don't care how much you do right. Sometimes it rains on our parades. But how many of you are glad, whether it's rainy or sunny, we have a God who said, delight in me, and I'll, I'll do good things in your life. I'll fulfill the desires of your heart. Can you say amen? And Paul said there's one final thing, and he says we also have to turn into better people. I, I love what he says in Philippians 3.12 again. He said, it's not that I already obtained this or I've arrived at it, but I press to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said there's a discipline and and a press and a development in my life. And it's because I know God has something good on the other side of this challenge for me. I want to show you another picture, but I want to talk about this picture first. There's a town in Alabama called Enterprise, Alabama. 28,000 people live in Enterprise, Alabama. And they have a very interesting statue in the town square. And it's because in the late 1800s and early 1900s, Enterprise, Alabama, Alabama was known for cotton and they didn't do a lot else except you know live as cotton farmers but something happened in 1911 the boll weevil came out of Mexico and boll weevils love eating cotton and they love staying in cotton as a matter of fact the Smithsonian Institute says that the boll weevil has been the most destructive pest in the history of the United States doing 23 billion dollars of damage and the bull weevil came in 1911 and he devastated the town of Enterprise, Alabama. And at first, they were just upset. They felt like everything was ruined. But then one guy said, no, we can rebuild. And he figured out that bull weevils couldn't do anything to a peanut crop and they had the capability of growing peanuts. So they grew peanut, peanuts and in 1911, they commissioned a statue in the city. I want to show you this statue. It's this beautiful lady, and she's holding up a bowl with a bowl weevil in it. Now, the bowl weevil itself weighs 50 pounds, even though a bowl weevil is just the size of your little fingernail right here. But listen to what's inscribed on, on that particular statue. It says, in profound appreciation of the bowl weevil, 
and what it has done as the herald of our prosperity. This monument was now erected by the citizens of Enterprise, Alabama in Coffee County. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, I don't know what brought you to your difficulty. I don't know what brought you to this season. But I'm going to tell you this. If you bring it to God, you're going to say, God, I can't believe something so good could go be beyond this difficult season of my life. Can you say amen? God, I'm so grateful that you're good no matter what I go through in seasons of life. And it's not easy. Sometimes we've got to gain new skills. Sometimes we've got to live with strength that's greater than we wish we had to live with. Sometimes people that we wanted to love the rest of our life betray us and they leave us hurt. And we we say, man, I never dreamed it was going to rain on my parade like this. But listen, remember, if you trust his promise, if you train your will to obey him, if you take control of your emotions, and if you turn into the person the devil can't defeat, God's going to do something great in your life. I want to close with this one story. It's about a high school football team in Oklahoma. And I'm told it's a true story that they were terrible. And one year they hadn't won a game. And they had a rich oil tycoon who was an alumni of that high school and a football player. And they were getting ready to play their crosstown rival. And he did not want to lose to their crosstown rival. So he called the coach who was his friend. And he said, hey, he said, I want to make the team a deal. Coach said, tell me about it. He told the coach about it, and the coach said, okay. He said, come to practice on Monday and tell the kids what you're willing to do. So this tycoon showed up at practice, and he told the kids, now listen, if you beat our crosstown rivals, I'm going to buy every kid on this team a new Ford F-150 truck. Well, I mean motivation was high. (laughs) They practiced hard. And Friday night, it was game time, and they were in the locker room, and the two captains stood up, and they said, man, we're going to win. We're going to win. Come on, we're going to do this. The coaches, woo, 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 come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Pretty soon, the whole team was pumped up. They said, man, we're going to do this. We're going to kick. I won't say that, but anyway, we're going to do this. They went out and played the game and lost 38 nothing. You say, Why? How many of you know believing is the first step? It's not the final step. But how many of you know it's worth believing and becoming who God said we could be? Because when we delight in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. Do you believe that this morning, Faith Family? Do you believe that? I do. We sure hope the truth of that message encouraged your heart and equipped you to step in with confidence to the things God's dreaming of in this season of your life. You know, we all encounter adversity and we all get tempted to settle into seasons of prosperity too. And God wants us to know that he wants his love to be unique in every season, and he wants that reflected in the special blessings that he brings. That's right, and one reason why is the Bible reminds us that God longs to work for good in the midst of all things. The all things may be adversity or prosperity, but the good is the blessing God brings for all of us who will walk with him well. Yeah, you know, you and I just returned from ministry in Claremore, Oklahoma, and what a joy to see churches thriving and moving forward instead of staying stagnant and stuck. And the joy of that can be experienced in any life, any family, any church family. That's why we provide free resources on our significantlife.com website. God doesn't want us stuck. He wants us significant and moving forward. 
Pastor Jim's heart is that every small community across America deserves to have a church where Jesus is lifted up, where He's honored, where there's faithful worship, where there's a community, a family of believers, and we believe that too. We believe in the vision that Pastor Jim has, and it's really part of our life every day. I just love the purity here. All the pastors really love the Lord, really about the kingdom. Everyone here is just really focused on the vision of building kingdom, and it's been a really a blessed time. Pastor Jim is real, Tamara is real. They don't mind telling you that they're going through struggles. They talk to you about how they go through those struggles uh, and talk about victories as well. I guess in one word, it's real. This is real. They relate to what you're walking through. Uh, it's not about how big your church is or how long you've been doing what you're doing. It, it, it's like we're all in this together. I could not walk through the hallway outside without you know, rubbing shoulders with 50 people that are my, my friends. And the thing that I love the most is like we do life together, have text conversations going with them. And when we go through good things, we celebrate together. When we go through difficult things, we're in each other's corner. God's like, hey, you're not the only one. I'm doing this everywhere. And so being a part of the network, it's, in, it's incredible to see that God is not just doing this in New Mexico or in Kansas or in Texas, but it's in Pennsylvania, it's in Oregon, it's in New Jersey, it's in Vermont, it's in Maine, it's in Florida, it's in Mississippi, that there are great churches in small towns all over the country. And what this network does is it gets us all in the same room. It reminds us of what we're up to and the, and the vision that God placed in our hearts to reach our communities. And it says, hey, I got a brother and a sister that have come alongside of me. It says, we can do this together. Uh, taking in all of their wisdom, all of, uh, earlier one of the pastors was talking about all the blood and scars that they've developed over the years and being able to learn from, he said, learn from our mistakes, learn new ways to be able to preach the gospel to other people. To hear a, a pastor that has a heart for the almost forgotten part of ministry, the forgotten churches and the guys who are struggling to, to reach people's lives, to be relevant, to provide uh, everything you possibly can while you're bivocational. I'm telling you, Pastor Graf doesn't realize, I'm telling you, there's going to be great crowns in his, uh, jewels in his crown when he gets to heaven for what he's sown into rural America through Significant Church Network. We got so many things we draw from, from other organizations, uh, but from this one we draw friendships. And they come so naturally and they come so easily that you instantly feel like you're a part of the family and have been. Um, that is something we had been looking for for a long time. And once we found it here, you know, we just went all in. So we're all in and we've been a part of Sig Church for several years and love everything about it. Thank you guys so much, Pastor Jim, Pastor Tamara, for your heart. Thank you for all you have done for the ministry, for the gospel, for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I'm just blessed to be a part of it.